Please note that The Shining Girls Show contains depictions of gender-based violence, sexual assault, gore, and substance use, and our podcast coverage will touch on these topics as well. Links for resources can be found in our show notes. Take care. Welcome back to Pocha Recaps coverage of Shining Girls. My name is Grace. I'm here with my two co-hosts. First, Melissa, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you doing, Grace? Good. Amanda, how are you? I'm doing great. Good. All right. Uh, Attribution, episode four. Uh, I got some good insights uh, from one AJ Mass who tweeted oh. me to let me know that we are totally missing uh, the reason why the episodes are called what they're called. Uh so, uh, attribution is you can't print any quote in an article without attribution. You have to explain who told you and when and where. Um, and then he explained all the other ones. Uh, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Uh, a cut line is the text beneath a photograph to explain what you're looking at. Evergreen, an article in which none of the facts are expected to change so they can remain relevant for a long stretch of time and overnight, but generally the time when the news gathering is dark and things happen without any direct observation. So they're all journalism words. Who knew? And that makes sense because journalism is an important part of the television show Shining Girls. Yes. Yeah. Well, we did it. That's it. it <laughs> there we go. Solved Thank it. You, that was the big mystery that we were trying to solve. Um, yeah. No, that's that's great when we have listeners chime in and give us information that we didn't know. Like, for example, there was somebody else on Twitter who informed us, Grace, I'm going to try to pull up the tweet but if yes. you find it that um Contigny, in addition to being the name of a world war ii battle was that what it was is also the name of a park in the greater chicago area yeah i think the first world war one battle i think okay. yeah Contigny. yeah i mean we have such yeah. attentive listeners that's great who corrected yeah. somebody this is exactly like journalism we're like printing our oh. corrections up top <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, this is really good because, um, you know, I feel the pressure to know all of the things. And um, and Melissa, I know you also feel pressure to know mm -hmm. a lot of things. And I think we cover we know 99 percent of the things. But yeah. if our listeners can continue to uh, inform us when there's an area outside of our expertise, uh, we very, very much appreciate it. And yeah. I don't think I don't think I know 99 percent of the things. That was a joke. None if of you us end up know to the nearest Chicago, 99. Yeah. <laughs> I know the 99 yeah. of the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. None of us are, are Chicago experts. We might have to loop somebody in at some point. Uh, I thought a good episode. Obviously, this is the first one out of the first three that were dropped. So we're on the weekly release now. And feels like the biggest thing here is that Harper has no idea why time is changing. Uh, I can't figure out why things are different for Kirby. I think that's an interesting little plot twist here. Yeah. This is like, and, I think things are changing more frequently than I think I was expecting as well. Like it's at first, you know, we go through the, the, is it the whole, now I'm forgetting when things happen in what episode, but basically, right. Like she's, we see her with her mom for an extended period of time and then she's with Marcus. Yeah. It's and her desk at first and then, you know, yeah. You know, so, yeah. And like yeah. she said before, when she says her mom, she says it's the little things. And that does seem to be like kind of what's happening um, in, in her experience. I, I want my my best guess was maybe that as this is, again, paradoxical time travel. Melissa, maybe I won't be a fan. But as maybe he is changing his 
like the past that he mm-hmm. is affecting the future. And so things are changing because he is messing. Like he thought he killed her. And now that he's like going back and messing with everything that happened, um, it's changing because she wasn't supposed to live. Right. Yeah. So like her future is so he, he keeps messing it up. Um, yeah, I, I do. There was some speculation about this in the discord and it, it definitely seems to fit that like as both Harper and potentially also Kirby are making decisions that will impact the future it's like also impacting the past because of like his uh behavior changing as a result and so yeah i'm like thinking we get to the point where they've changed the narrative enough that like maybe Ginny's death like won't happen as a result or you know i don't know how much Mm -hmm. they can change of what's happened previously if like the women who have been murdered could be unmurdered uh but yeah, it, I think it's interesting. It definitely seems, it feels to me that, yeah, like whenever, um, I don't know if we can like map it out, if it's like new information is gained or like some new uh, decision is made, if that's when these kind of inflection points are happening or not, or if they've been sort of random up to this point. I mean, her hair changing is is when she gets confirmation that it's like Ginny's key, right? Which is like from mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Now she's right. pretty much starting off a, a, a you know chain of events that means Ginny might not die. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Amanda? I mean, this one, one thing that I was a little bit surprised was this change really did seem to only be the hair. We sort of joked about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. It was only <laughs> hair. It really did seem to be only hair. Um, yeah, no, this is um, so now I think we're at the point where we really have this cat and mouse game that seems to be going through time and through different versions of the universe now that Harper is aware that um that it's not only Dan who's on to him, but also that this victim and the victim is Kirby is also on to him. So now there's they're they're sort of both aware and now that she's identified him so it's really interesting that now we have them both you know having knowledge of one another um and um i think that it seems to be sort of setting off this conceit that they're going to be pursuing each other through time or through versions of this narrative um and i and we'll sort of see how much that pushes the boundaries of can we change the future can we get in an in a different path um definitely Ginny seems like i don't know about the um the the women who are the cold cases that are going to be um you know that we're going to see the article come out at the end of this episode i don't know if the, if saving those women is necessarily on the table but it does seem like the Ginny incident is kind of in this limbo space in the timeline of the show where maybe it happened maybe it hasn't happened yet and it could still be prevented yeah well let's jump into the episode so we start off in 1972 we see and sort of the the start of the episode does this where we get a year and then we'll see um a woman uh, dead presumably one of one of harper's victims um until we end up in 1986 um where um, there's blood on the beach and harper's watching the ambulance um and we cut to the hospital where rachel's arguing with the nurse uh, desperate to see her daughter the nurse uh you know, says she can't do anything. Um, the nurse tells Harper that he, he can't go down the hall. It's a restricted area. And so Harper sits next to Rachel. She's like, there's a hundred other chairs in here. Can't you pick another one? He's like, well, I'm already in this one. And, um, 
she's like okay i'm not playing whatever game this is yeah um, i love this she's like i can't deal with whatever this is <laughs> yeah. yeah uh he says waiting is no fun the nurses won't tell you anything and the doctors aren't going to do rounds till seven and asks who she is waiting for and um rachel starts talking about like what was sharon doing on the beach it didn't make any sense he says maybe she wanted to the beach all to herself um and as there's another commotion harper heads down the hallway and sees sharon in her bed until a nurse says he can't be in there so Melissa, creepy start yeah i thought it was interesting and this whole like um rachel that's the name of the mom right i i had another incident where like immediately calls her mom rachel all the time which i don't know in some shows they're like uh we're doing we just started the wilds coverage and like they they didn't tell anybody's name i feel like the show is very good at being like that's rachel it's her mom (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh yeah uh and so yeah she was talking about like walking um the dog on the beach and she's like you know what uh she could walk that shitty dog anywhere why does she want to go for what does she want to go for a swim and harper suggests that maybe she wanted the beach for herself mm-hmm. uh kirby's mom says uh wtf would she want that uh <laughs> someone cuts her open just leaves her there uh he apologizes she says don't be sorry she's not dying <laughs> it was just like this whole really weird interaction where like Rachel's clearly like angry at the situation, angry at Kirby for kind of putting herself in that situation, sort of felt a little victim blamey, which I didn't love. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's like clearly very upset and Harper's trying to like calm her down and uh, like make her feel better weirdly enough. And even though he, we know he's the one responsible for this. So, yeah. I was almost wondering though, if Harper was trying to antagonize her so that she would like get up and yell at the nurse again, because eventually right. that's what she, we see that she gets up and goes back to the nurse's station and that's his opportunity to go back and actually find Kirby's room. So I was wondering what his motives were here, but he does like, sort of reveal something that I was wondering if it is going to be relevant. But, you know, when he says, like, it's going to take a while um, if she needs a specialist, she asks, are you a doctor? And he says, no, I've just been on this side of things before. Mm. Um, And, you know, that could have just been, like, a throwaway line, another, like, lie from Harper. But I was wondering if we'll learn something in his backstory about, you know, somebody close to him being – hospitalized or maybe also a victim of assault yeah because the 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 thing is like he's leaving these things inside of people but we don't yet really understand why he why he does this why he chose like these specific um women obviously that they're like we get that scene from him in the sort of convenience store where he's like it should have taken us years like he obviously like wants some form of control over women and wants them to like fight back into and then show you know lose their shine um but but why that what part of his brain is like ticking in that way to like want to try and do that i, I imagine we will learn why at some point hurt there's people a lot of, hurt people that's yes what, that's, what, that's what i've heard yeah there's a there's a few different kind of military uh references throughout this show that i'm mm-hmm. and then there's the scene in the previous episode where he's talking um to the guy about like hearing the horses and um that whole thing and his like uh the comment on his gig line and then we're later going to learn uh that marcus serves there's just i'm oh, starting true. to pick on like a bit of it that i'm curious if that's going to come up in some way and that's going to be some sort of explanation that maybe harper also 
did and somehow that's relevant to this situation as well mm-hmm. um kirby gets off the elevator she's heading into work she sees dan is in a meeting um and i noticed this uh somebody asked for the 87 bull stat and says it's under royco which i i mean it was like oh waste our royco <laughs> oh no are the roys involved uh-oh, uh-oh. yeah six severance here it is yeah uh, six severance shining girls oh, yeah. Yeah. i don't know i don't know that <laughs> Our uh, next crossover endeavor. Yeah. So Dan is a uh, meeting and he's showing all the evidence to the rest of sort of the newsroom. Uh, says he has the man of uh, the tape of the man uh, and his source has ver- ver- verified the source, um, although she won't speak publicly. So, uh, but Dan says there's enough evidence here. We don't need the source. And Marcus is listening on the meeting, even though he's just a photographer. Uh, join in. Listen. In. Yeah. 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 And Kirby seems and Kirby sees that this meeting is going on. She's not in the meeting and she she looks a little bit annoyed at everybody involved. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dan is sending to his arm. Kirby has the background info on Summer Francis, um, shows Dan the picture of the key that Marcus had pulled and says from the planetarium. Um, and he says he you know, he's saying this is tough. I have to cover seven murders without my primary source. A woman loses her keys two weeks ago and the murder happened 20 years ago. Um, and he asked her if she can go pick up the magical tapes. And Marcus says he'll go with her. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh basically yeah he's talking about trying to do all this kirby says she could still help and talk to the families or whatever um she mentioned that she tried to call him the night before and he didn't pick up which obviously was uh the evening that we saw in the previous episode um yeah i thought that this was all kind of it it was funny because i think we complimented severance in the way that like sometimes the characters filling other characters in on information that the audience already has happens off screen and so there was like this moment i found a bit jarring where i was like oh right like dan wouldn't know this uh-huh. I, forgot about, I, I forgot that he didn't know it already so that like she went kind right of, away to the planetarium yeah but the, yeah. and the, and it's also sort of i think presents like both kirby and dan with this like first paradox of like okay these these crimes are linked because of the keys but but the key could not have been like a, a key from 1992 could not have come from a body from 1972. So he sort of looks at Kirby and he's like, you're not helping if you're trying to link these two things. And like, and Kirby hasn't made sense of it yet, but we're going to see them get back to this idea that these crimes are linked through time. So this is like our first exposure to this paradox of like, how could an item from one time period be, um, be found uh, at a time in a time that hadn't happened yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think like, you know, we're going to see the ones where the difference is five years and they're like, oh, he must have stolen this item from this woman five years before murdering her. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. and so that's like they've sort of been able to kind of make it make sense. But this this key, I think, and the fact that it like didn't exist 20 years ago, like it's not like they could have this is kind of the biggest time difference that we have here. And there's no way of kind of saying that he stole this key 20 years ago and has been waiting uh you know gets right in this Francis, key so. that was only produced in 1992 could be found yeah. in a body from 1972 this key is in fact the key oh. to <laughs> discovering that he is jumping through time yes. yeah i had a bit of a moment watching this episode too where i realize that if the whole point is that he's like stealing items from somebody that he is going to murder and then putting them in the body of someone else that he's murdered, this 
be happy bar matchbook that Kirby has isn't tied to anybody that we know because it like doesn't it didn't exist yet until this new timeline. So it makes me curious if like, is it timeline shenanigans and there is somebody else, you know, has the be happy bar matchbook existed in a previous timeline attached to a victim that we already know, or is there another victim out there that we don't know yet now that the bar exists? A few, I don't yeah, know if future, any of that made any sense. A, a, no, a, a, future, a future victim that's going to be yeah. linked to Kirby. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's certainly because the bar, I, I think, I don't know if we have theories on the, like the end of the episode, we get there, but like, did they, did, did the situation change or did, did he time travel her into the future where then the bar exists. I think that because the matchbox are already in the laundromat so, and mm -hmm. they're renovating, like it feels like the bar is about to be built. So I actually think last week we were like, oh, her hair is different. What else is going to be different? Like, okay, not much, just her hair. <laughs> I do think I, and boy, I'll, if I'm wrong, then the show really keeps getting me. I do feel like next week we will, like Kirby will not be in 1992 um, is my best ah, guess. From, from okay. Because the bar exists now. Right. Um, and so I kind of thought like the, the changing, you know, whatever. So, you know, is this something where like, did she, you know, and then Dan's like, you left me on the case. Like you didn't, you went away. I didn't know where you went. Like we look for you. We can, you know, so I'm interested. Anyway, I'm doing too much speculating about next week, but there, de I do there think definitely that's is the, that possibility. Yeah. I think my counter argument to that would be, the, the other changes that we've seen previously, the fact that she's never lived in apartment 2B, the fact that she's married to Marcus and has always, those don't feel to me like time jumps. Those feel to me like timelines. But this time she, different. She, when she went through the, when she went through the wall in the mirror, she was, she was with Harper. She's never been with Harper when she's had the time jump. Before, mm. sure. As far as we know. And I, and I do think our theory, right, is that the reason why there's no witnesses is because he takes you, time travels you to when there would be no witnesses and then time travels you back and leaves you there uh, mm -hmm. is sort of my, I think what we were sort of speculating at. So I think like when they go through the wall together, I, I think they time travel mm. um, and then he time travels again to like, yeah. Leave. Yeah. We've mentioned that this is like a confusing wrinkle that there's like two different time manipulation mechanisms. There seem to be <laughs> separate timelines and actually traveling through time. Um, and I guess I want to see like how well the show it ends up explaining both of those things. But right now it's like, it's a little bit tough to to kind of incorporate both of those and make sense of the things that we're seeing. I mean, this is the thing with all these, some, a lot of these like mystery box shows, like there's a, like lost, like, you know, can you make the polar bear make sense? Can you make, you know, all this stuff, or is it in here so that you get the end of the episode and you're like, she finds the be happy bar, you know, but can you actually, is everything happening makes sense? Does like, everything pay the, off? Right. Yes. Um, yeah. I was starting to wonder that too. I was like, yeah. there's, there's a lot of questions that need to, I think the quality of this show is going to depend on the quality of the explanation that they have, which yeah, is interesting because yeah. everybody reading the book already knows what I that know. explanation is. And we're all like, I don't know. It could be anything. And then the other thing too, is how much they'll differ from the book. Like none of us have read mm -hmm. the book. So we haven't, you know, I'd be interested in maybe towards the end of the season, like, you know, chatting with, you know, somebody like Jester, you know, mm -hmm. read the book because I'm like, do they, do they think, one series and they're done or are they planning for multiple seasons and if so how much do they differ from like what might have been a, a more closed story mm -hmm. that they want to leave threads hanging out of that was a big question at the end of severance like some people being like oh, i really wish i got the answer to this question um that like mm -hmm. they didn't give because they know they're coming back uh will be interesting to track along the way so Kirby's asking Marcus, like, can you f for sure the, the key photo wasn't from another shoot? 
He says no, and then he takes her picture on the picture on the train. And again, she's smiling when she gets her picture taken. So this was another nice moment between the the, the two of them. I feel like Dan is incepting me that like Marcus isn't a good guy. And I'm like, maybe he's not a good guy, but maybe maybe he just is a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. he just seems nice. And she's yeah. you know she starts by kind of like flipping him off and making faces, but yeah. she's like clearly enjoying herself. It was cute. Yeah, it's cute. It's nice. It's nice to see the real chemistry between these characters, especially because everything that happens to Kirby has been so heavy and dark so mm -hmm. it's it is nice to see that she like has this joy in her present day yes mm -hmm. uh back at the office <laughs> Dan's asking a co-worker about the like the cuts and someone's like yeah they could be religious anti-religious or just a bad memory of a cross <laughs> yeah I thought this was very funny where yeah. I was like this is completely unhelpful yeah it's this not this or literally anything <laughs> else <laughs> yeah and yeah. the source says you can't use their name yeah, yeah. and this they need more context for the stuff left inside the bodies yeah. and they yeah. won't be quoted on it yeah so i'm guessing that this was like this was a call to northwestern this is probably some like expert that they're trying to get testimony uh right. for the article I'm yeah. beginning to understand why Abby keeps Dan around because his coworkers <laughs> seem incompetent. Like this one woman is not giving him any sort of information. The other one is basically handing all their information over to their rival newspaper. Right. So this is Bur yeah. this is this is Birdie. This is the yeah. one who was originally Birdie. covering Dan's beat for him, and he spoke to a retired detective that had covered the Summer Francis case and i guess spilled all of the information that they have which has now gotten back to um a rival paper so this creates a time urgency for them to actually publish before they get scooped by somebody else um and dan is going to say okay abby we'll just we'll print something tonight we're gonna do this yeah, yeah. a holding piece two paragraphs for each victim tease them there's more to come uh, Abby says without the source, it just feels like random murders. Dan says there's other ways to link them, how he picked the women, what they have in common, the objects that are left inside them. Dan says he'll find those details and he, he'll tell the reporter to call the, he tells Bertie to call the retired detective back and confirm her case details so that they at least have something on record from the police. Yeah. Uh, so we head to, uh, the South Loop, uh, probably is a place in Chicago, but some building and very noticeable. There were like three cameras outside and they're like looking up mm -hmm. at the cameras. So I, I feel like that didn't come into play this episode. So I'm just keeping an eye mm -hmm. on that. Yeah. Little detail. yeah. It's like this place mm -hmm. is like, for some reason, heavily surveilled that yeah. like, we don't, we don't know yeah. why. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I guess that this is their audio guy that yeah. they use at the paper. So they've brought, um, the Madrigal tapes there and um they before they pick them up kirby is going to ask the guy if she can play one of them uh i just i want to say rather in there two times this episode where they sort of just have somebody uh i know this scene in particular like somebody who's not able-bodied who's just mm -hmm. doing their job uh mm -hmm. it's great uh, that was great yes uh so he he's uh the first tape is uh she wants to cue up the one with the background noise and so there are these tornado sirens in the background and so they're sort of like um placing when that would have been and then and then saying yeah but they were all over the city so you know it doesn't really he could have been anywhere in the city mm -hmm. but they play another one um the first call and there's an echo on the on the tape and as she is saying it it's it's echoing and so they and so Kirby with excellent ear uh, precision is like it's not the same audio it's it's slightly different and so this drove me up the wall I was like <laughs> what like I I uh -huh. needed some extensive hand holding for like them the to expert explain. you have the expert there yeah. you know? <laughs> and like 
Why? Anyway, and so it's like somehow they've figured out well, that he has to have recorded this conversation previously and is playing it back to her. And I was like, I don't understand how they got from A to B that that's like that they heard what so we to, all heard yes, and got yes. to that conclusion. So okay, so I I watched this twice, and the second time I tr- I really tried to pay attention, and there is, it's there is something to the quality of like her you know emphasis on the syllables like it is the same voice saying something like it's two separate readings of the same line it's subtle but you can tell that like her voice is a little bit more strained or it's it's that it's slightly different um and then I think that the audio guy provides the insight that one of the voices is um through a filter as if it was a recording being played over the phone line but that the other one sounds like it's coming from her actual phone line so we believe that he's an audio expert the jump of it being the two different times i think comes from whatever the salient experience is that we're going to learn that kirby has in her past so that's Mm -hmm. the leap but like so i did i did think they gave just just enough to justify that this was something that they would have noticed what i didn't what what i actually had more of a problem with was understanding why instead of picking up the tapes they ask him to play them for her like i didn't know what kirby (laughs) was looking for in the Uh tapes like she was just dan sent her on an errand and i just needed the thing in her head that says like i want to hear these tapes before dan does i that was mm-hmm. that was what was a question cuz she's already heard them right like she's already not all of them right I, mm. well maybe they did again maybe the off screen thing if they listened to all of them but i i also kind of, like there's a little bit again i think uh, i talked about this in some other shows where like sometimes i feel like there's just beats missing mm-hmm. and so actually when i like when i was doing this scene when i was like writing my notes for this scene the first time i was like that is ridiculous that she can tell that it's like a recording and an echo mm-hmm. and then you're right they do this scene later where like she the, the guy has basically done the same thing to her and i wish maybe that was a little bit cleaner where like if it's like triggers her memory of like this thing happened to this basically the same thing happened to me that makes so much more sense and so i feel like sort of the order of this episode is a little bit messy and then i think the the piece that I would say is like he's she doesn't know that he's rushing to get a story, but all the like everybody's working on this case now. And so there could be this thing of like, hey, before we bring it back to Dan, let me can I just listen again? Can I just listen? And the, and he is cleaning up the audio, right? That's what this guy was doing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. um, like there is stuff there, but I, I think you're like it's missing a beat or two to be like to work. I'm, I'm having yeah. to think more than I want to think, I think. Yeah. Right. I was just like don't think this is how audio works like you can't just like separate out to like you know like we've Mm. had to do like podcast editing right you don't get to just like randomly when people talk over each other you can't like unless they're recorded separately you can't isolate those two voices from each other yeah maybe i'm like Like, i'm not sure maybe what he was is that what they were doing that i get you i think you're right melissa that he was like pulling apart a track that was just on an answering machine like recording 
tape. Um, this so 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 you're right. This is sort of like the audio version of Enhance. Oh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's there like are you're some fi- shenanigans. You're finding well, but- it. So if we have audiology experts or or audio editing people, uh, please. I mean, obviously, this podcasting network does not know. I- <laughs> but if any listener can shed light on this, well, I think that's a good point, Melissa. I think I could edit into a version that sounds not very good. Like if we were talking over each other. So I'm sure that an, I feel like an expert could actually go in and like figure out how to like pull apart the two the two and then stitch them back together but maybe i'm maybe i'm way wrong i don't know um uh the other thing that i thought was interesting from this moment is when marcus says it sounds like an air raid siren and this mm-hmm. like the fact that we get the mention that he served like none of that felt necessary for the right. story so far like the fact that it's not immediately identified to them is like, oh, yeah, we all lived through that tornado uh, a while ago. Like, that felt significant to me that either, um, you know, something about that time period and the fact that all these tornado uh, sirens were going off, could that have been, like, triggering to Harper at that time? Uh, is it going to matter that we learn that Marcus served at some point? Like, why was that? line in there it just yeah, felt like very it seemed, unnecessary it seemed like a very deliberate thing to reveal to us so maybe <laughs> maybe that will come back into play as like we learn more about marcus's character that could be interesting uh apparently chicago has a very unique tornado sound uh oh. that designed in 1981 the concept was to allow for different tones or patterns for different events and there was no way that the sirens could be the, the, the sirens were so distinct that they couldn't be confused with any normal city noise. So again, we're going to need our Chicago expert to let us know mm. is like this specifically a Chicago thing, um, mm-hmm. which could be. Um, we jump to apartment 2B. The old man uh, that we met before is in the apartment. Here's a thud and glass breaking, um, which uh, I thought was lots of glass breaking in this episode. Um Harper attacks him, is like choking him, asking him, like, why are you here? Where is Sharon? She says Sharon lives in this apartment. Who lived here before this old man? And he leaves a cup on the like a glass on the man's head and says, if it breaks, you're dead. Um, the glass does eventually fall off the man's head. But Harper is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Harper is looking for Sharon here in 2B. But Sharon yeah. has moved the timeline to a timeline where she's in 3B, as we know. Um, so... It's 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 interesting, like that he knows that she should be here, but she's not because she has shifted. And again, like we're going to find out that he not only did he not know that she was still alive, but he also didn't know that things shift for her in a way like they seem to shift for him. So um, it's it's it's, so I guess that we know that she lived in 2B at the time of the assault because that's the last time that he would have been aware of her. But it's been six years. Couldn't someone just have moved? Especially if you like were a victim of assault and might not want to live in the same place you lived in. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. But then but like, yeah, but like but but apparently like he's going to find out, you know, okay, this guy's lived here four years. And before that, it wasn't Sharon. So like it's um. It seems like she has sort of like like she she's she's changing things in a way that mm-hmm. he's not aware of. And it seems like she's like it seems like I this don't so try to think of like this timeline that he's on. Um, she didn't change the past. Right. She changed like she didn't change her past. Like in mm-hmm. his mind, her past is still in 2B. Um, so that's 
that's sort of interesting. I'm just sort of trying to pick up on clues on like how the timelines are changing and what the implications of that are. The glass breaking is interesting to me too, because we, we get this moment. We also glass breaks when they are fighting in the, like when he's attacking her um, in the be happy bar. And mm -hmm. it's very noticeable that like, yeah, like he hears a thud and then a glass breaks and he'll obviously like bring the glass over to him. But I'm just wondering if there's something it's just again there's a lot of stuff in this one episode that i'm feeling is you know the sirens the cameras and then mm -hmm. to me this glass breaking that like doesn't come up here but i feel like if you went back and rewatched all of these when they're done like i think there could be a thing of like is the glass breaking like he, him falling into the like but it doesn't totally make sense because when he's confronting kirby he's saying like you don't live in 2b so implying that he's like already like this scene has happened before that scene, but the way he like it's a thud and, and glass breaking almost mm -hmm. would make me think like, does he time travel from when he's attacking Kirby to apartment to be that doesn't really make sense, but there's just enough stuff here to be making me like think that there are connections that they're purposely putting in the show, you know? There's also kind of a broken glass image at the very end of the opening credits. Uh, mm -hmm. It definitely seems like maybe, um, yeah, maybe there's a bit of a thing here. And I also definitely thought he was going to put that glass on the guy's head. It would fall off and it didn't break. <laughs> Very convenient. Like, it felt like. Like, aha, it was plastic all along. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick commercial break. We come back. We'll chat through the rest of the episode. Uh, okay. So um, Marcus is asking Kirby if uh, she ever got a call like that. And she said, yeah, she did. But it was when she was started working at the tri Tribune, which was years before her attack. And um, Kirby is very like to Marcus, like, you do not have to ask me these questions. And he's like, I should be your first stop, like in terms mm -hmm. of like somebody who can help you, you know, and, and be willing to listen to you. And he says, were there other times? Yeah, he says, I don't want to have to be in a meeting to find out what's going on with you, which seems mm -hmm. very fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that like this this i thought was very sweet that like like marcus really does seem to want to support her here um and he's kind of going along with this because he knows it's important to her even though he has uh you know understandably questioned the wisdom of that mm -hmm. i don't know Melissa. I, I i get people to book meetings with my significant others and then to update them on my life <laughs> I, I do it through a third party yeah <laughs> your people talk to their people Here, here's the agenda yeah <laughs> We'll take yeah, minutes. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I had to like go through various channels to even schedule this podcast yeah, with Grace today. Yeah. You know? True. My people yeah. will be in touch. Yeah. <laughs> so they head to this like abandoned location. Um, and it seems like her mom used to play music there. Uh, there was no babysitter. So she wandered around and they head back to the dressing room and Kirby is looking for something in particular. But when she looks back, uh, she has this like flashback and memory of her with her mom. Her mom is like preparing for a show and Sharon comes, uh, comes in. Um, and, uh, there's a, there's, um, written on the wall, Sharon's gone, like the smoke written on the wall. There's a quote from Leonard Cohen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rachel's band has a deal and sort of, she makes fun of, uh, Sharon for like, working at this like office job it's journalism it's good you know tribune it's good paper um and this is where they head out to practice and the phone rings um sharon gets told to answer it and this is where we hear the feedback playing um from the band yeah did um anybody else uh do more research on this leonard cohen song nope Nope. Um, this is definitely significant. This is Ballad of the Absent Mayor, which is a beautiful song, like every Leonard Cohen song mm -hmm. is. Um, and um, 
it's so it's it's ballad of the absent mayor. So it's a song about a mayor, a horse, a filly, mm. as, as mm. you know, if, if if I may. Um and um and the lyrics are um you know quite significant. It's sort of about a pursuit of a person trying to tame this horse. And mm. some things that I'll pick out from it was um he tracks her all night. He tracks her all day, um, blind to her presence, except to compare his injury here with her punishment there. Jeez. Um, another part I pulled out that was significant. Um, she comes to his hand, but she's not really tame. She longs to be lost. He longs for the same. So this is like very clearly an intentional uh, reference because we have, uh, you know, the Philly from the beginning, that's even going to come up again later mm -hmm. in um, later in this episode and this idea of pursuing or taming something, um, you know, removing its shine, um, you know, very much with the theme that we've already identified. Wow. Uh, yeah, so she rips off the wallpaper and finds the graffiti on the wall. It's still there. Just like Julia, he was here, never said anything to anybody because she would have, she would have seemed crazy and, uh, says, yeah, the call stopped, but he was just waiting, biding his time. So, yeah, she goes, the calls just stopped, but he didn't. He just waited. I just never realized it was him. Brutal. Yeah. So, wild. Yeah. Um, so we see Dan is interviewing a bunch of uh, people about uh, seemingly people who knew the, the, the murdered women. Mm -hmm. And he realizes there's, there doesn't really seem to be a connection between any of, of the women. None of the women really knew uh, each other. And uh, after a bunch of interviews, uh, he ends up uh, drinking in his car. Um, he then talks to this woman um, who about summer Francis and they're talking and says, yeah, it must've been so hard losing a roommate. And she's like, but please tell me we were roommates. Yeah, the police miss everything. I love, I, I love, this I love, I love very this funny. Theme. I love this theme. Like, and, and Dan's always just like, yeah, like the police, they like they didn't connect these murders. Like, they, they yeah. like what, what can they, what can they do right? Of course, they didn't, they didn't get this. Yeah. yeah. The other line I loved was uh, when he asked about how they used to live in Kenwood, and she says, "You mean how did I climb from there to here? I'm a libel <laughs> attorney, and this is America." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, great. Um, so they're chatting about Summer, saying she got quiet and distant right before she died. Uh, she thought that she was seeing somebody else, um, asked what she did wrong, but it never made any sense. And they look at these old photographs and items, and Dan finds, I couldn't tell exactly what these were. Uh, did either, just like sort of no, decorative so, things? So we know one of them is a mirror, mm -hmm. so it mirror. seems like maybe like a compact. Uh, oh, so makes it's sense. Some sort of like makeup kit or something but they all sort of had the same pattern on them they yeah they look like, like part of a set they look like pretty antique like mm -hmm. you know accoutrement that would be like <laughs> yeah. you know like i feel like i would see like my grandmother might have these like fancy little things so mm -hmm. yeah yeah but he notices the the they're, they're like porcelain or he notices that the pattern um is part of like looks like something that was um one of the artifacts found uh in one of the victims I pulled this line that I thought was, um, again, just this, she goes, I kept thinking what we did wrong, went to the wrong parties, knew the mm -hmm. wrong people. There were plenty, but it just never made any effing sense. And it was just like this whole retrospective of like, what could I have done differently? What, yeah. what did I do to like bring this on? And it just, uh, you know, like we're, get, we're, we're getting this throughout these episodes, right? Where it's kind of this 
reaction of like, what did I do wrong in this situation to like cause this, uh, this like terrible thing. And it's like, you didn't do anything wrong. The person yeah. that did the murdering did the thing that was wrong. And, but, it, but it's like it, this very understandable yeah. reaction when you're mm -hmm. the, the girlfriend trying to like, you know, have all these regrets of what could we have done differently. Uh, so it's, it's this very like understandable reaction, I think, for like people, the loved ones to be like, what could we have done differently? What could they have done differently? You know, what's the thing in our control that could have prevented this like random terrible thing that happened uh mm -hmm. but it's also like probably couldn't have done anything differently yeah. because he is a time traveling murderer <laughs> especially yeah. because he's a time travel I, I mean so yeah and we've talked about this before it's very human and it's protective right like this mm -hmm. idea that we need to think of our lives as understandable and controllable is the thing that allows us to not be terrified all the time right and like not so this just is like random mounds of flesh on a rock hurtling through space like exactly. you know <laughs> Exactly. So, I mean, then this is why we all do it. When you find out that something bad happened to somebody, you know, you want to think like, oh, like, you know, like, oh, that that must have happened because, you know, they were in this place at this time. or And, and then that because that gives you the illusion that you can protect yourself by following a certain set of rules or doing everything right. And the truth is, you know, um, like you said, Melissa, a lot of the times we can't do that especially in the case of you know well you know, random acts of you know bad luck or um acts of nature or time traveling uh murderous lunatics yeah and we do it the, we do the same thing with like good things that have happened to us right like that's because of the hard work that we put mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. um you know some talent that we have like that's why good things happen to us and um you know that if if those same good things don't happen to other people, well, they must not have worked as hard as you right. did or have that same, you know, so it's, a, yeah, it's a very kind of human thing that we all do to try to make sense of our lives, but it's also shitty. But it's, but it's shitty, but it's good because this, this notion of locus of control is actually very highly related to a lot of positive things. So people who have internal locus, locus, loci of control, and that just means you see the things that happen to you as being things that you have control over. They're more successful people. They're happier people. They actually, you know, respond better and adapt better in the face of challenges and illnesses and all sorts of things. There's a lot of research on this topic. So it's it's helpful to have it, but it's also, I think, helpful to be aware of it because it allows us to be generous, non-judgmental people who also can use our locus of control to help other people. So um, <laughs> that's, I think, um, you know, one way to think about it. But, um, you know, I think that the show, because especially in the case of trauma, like that's when people are sort of struggling to regain their locus of control, right? Because their sense of safety is ripped out from underneath them and they don't know how they could have um, prevented something like that to happen in the past and how they can um, feel safe in the future. It's interesting because I, you know, earlier in the, in the spot, I was talking about like, you know, I, you know, I, th I think hopefully we'll find out like, why does he do this thing? Um, which is like, you know, in some way, let's be like, yeah, I need answers. I need to know, like, if the show is just like, he just does it just cause you're like, I can't, you know, okay. All right. That's one version of the, the thing. But like, I mean, we all watch a bunch of this media to like, look for 
answers and we want like something that like feels mm-hmm. satisfying you know um mm-hmm. and and conclusive so um it feels like that's the way it's going which is an interesting parallel to like yeah people are looking for the answers we're watching a show where like we very much want answers yeah we'll be dissatisfied if we don't get them it's the same thing about our brains that makes us love stories to begin with like narratives mm-hmm. are so powerful because like we're just sort of that's the way that we write our own story that's the way we see our own life is through narrative and that's why narrative is so powerful to us in art and um and you know and really key to how we understand ourselves yeah Mm -hmm. i actually think uh looking at the show i definitely want explanation of the how of the time of it all Mm -hmm. um i don't know that i actually want the explanation as to the why um because i think that it might like, I don't want Harper to become some sort of um, sympathetic character in any way, right? Like, I don't want to hear that he was abused growing up and, like, um, had something terrible happen to him in the war or, like, whatever it is that is going to result in him murdering a bunch of women. Like, I don't want to feel bad for him in any way, ever. And so I'm just going to be very nervous about if they try to go too far down the why of it, Um that that would be the direction we would go and like you murdered a bunch of women you're the bad guy it's pretty like i don't need to also feel sympathy for you it's really i mean it's a complexity i was talking the other i've said this uh, the other day to someone that like i kind of feel like this is not an anti-hero story by by any means but i kind of feel like i feel like we're not in i feel like the cultural zeitgeistness of like the anti-hero has has passed us by a little bit i think um that you know i I think if a show comes out now i think we're much more hesitant to be like yeah i'll watch walter white hang out for i'll watch don draper for a bit you know like be a cool sexist dude you know like it's just like it looks really good smoking that's you know i don't know i feel like it's passed us by and i think it's interesting to like take that analysis for like for the villains of our show too. Like if the show does try to make our villains um, sympathetic or, or give us a reason, I it can, I think it, you know, for some people that's not the type of media they're looking yeah. to watch right now. Um, and I think at another time, like, yeah, that is sometimes that is the media I want to of like, yeah, why is that guy bad? You know? Um, but it feels like we're a little bit in, in the headspace, I think at yeah. the moment, culturally of like, I don't know if I want that right I, now. I know? think I think that that's really, really interesting, Grace. And I have like talked to people about being a little bit exhausted with the anti-hero narrative. Like and so much of especially this prestige TV was focused on these anti-heroes and the like, golden maybe, age of TV. And maybe we're maybe we're at a point right now where we're like, you know what? I just want to hate the bad guy. I like am. I like I don't need to understand. I don't need. I don't want to listen to him cry about how shitty his mother is. I just yeah. want to hate the bad guy. Um, and I, and I'm really fascinated by like the types of media that like seem to fit the cultural appetite at a given moment and how we can understand those things in terms of our like social and political trends. So um, yeah, I think that this would be um that this would be like an interesting sort of uh. antidote to uh the the anti-hero stories if we can just have like an all monstrous bad guy in harper yeah they haven't even said his name on the show yet no i know Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's true yeah and like grace and i play a lot of D &D together and i love a flawed character i love characters that make mistakes and like don't always you know they're not perfect all the time and they have their own issues but there is definitely like that line that crossed where you're like okay but like this is not you know, like 
murdering a bunch of women is like a line too far. <laughs> this is not like, oh, by the way, I tend to be, um, you know, I don't know, late to every appointment <laughs> I book, right? Like it's not, I don't know. There's, there's the line where it's something that I think we can still uh, work with. And then there's, you know, this is just like clearly not that in my mind. Right. And that the fact that they're like that they're make, giving him supernatural powers, like it's like I do feel like he can just be a boogeyman. Like that's like, you know, like he's not a real person. He can travel through time. So we don't mm -hmm. have to sympathize with him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, OK, so Marcus and Kirby head back to the Tribune and Marcus is asking Kirby, like, are you going to tell Dan about what you found? And she's uh, not quite sure. And the 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 door was, and they realize that everybody's pulling an all nighter because they're going to the press with the story. And mm -hmm. so she runs up to Dan. She goes, "You're going to the press already." And um, she sees the the Margot Zell Summer Francis connection. Um, mm -hmm. And so they go into this room and they start looking at all the objects and connecting them to other other women. Um, they find this five year gap between uh, an item and then and then the woman being murdered. And says, "What does what does he do with all that time?" He just watches and bides his time. Uh, Kirby then, Abby's looking at all the information as well. And is, we're good to, to print. And Kirby says, you can lead with me. Um, they can have all of her information. They make sure, like, we won't be able to hide your identity if we if we run with you as the lead story. And she says, no, this is what the story should be. Um, so Kirby's going to be the source in the, in, the, in the article. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that... Um... Kirby says, you know, he watched them, but they didn't know he was there. Abby says, how has no one caught him? Dan says he chooses random victims, moved around, kept his distance. And Kirby says, but he didn't, though. He got close. He knew all about them. Uh, and, yeah, I just thought that this was interesting, that it's kind of this idea of, like, oh, you know, none of his victims knew who he was. They didn't know anything about him. And Kirby's like, yeah, but he wasn't separated from us. He was, like, they all you know, either these creepy photos or it's like she, it, there's this like clear information discrepancy, right? Like he knows everything about them and they know nothing about him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because Dan still doesn't like, cause Dan asks like, well, knew what? Cause like she still hasn't shared with Dan everything about her experience. So right. he doesn't totally get it yet. Um, but Kirby, so so this is where like talking about information discrepancy. Kirby has much more information about this guy at this point, and of course she's not going to share that with Dan because she's you know oh oh yeah he was stalking me and playing audio recordings of my mom that hadn't happened yet. Like she can't share this right. with him yet. Um, but um, but she's understanding his mo um, more and more, and it's interesting because like you know she's going to eventually confront him and know even more. And uh, so, what is she going to share with Dan? How much is Dan going to be her partner on the case? How much is Marcus going to be her partner on the case? Um, you know, this is all, uh, you know, interesting stuff that the future is going of the show is going to deal with. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So Abby and Dan, um, they're going to go, I think, hold a press conference, maybe get a comment from the police and Harper's well, They, they want to go talk to the police and give them a heads up right. that they're about to like blow their whole uh, arrest of Powell out oh, the right. door. Powell, so yeah. so yeah, they're Powell. like, oh, we have to like give them like a courtesy, like heads up about the story that is basically going to make them look like fools for arresting uh, Powell. They no wonder, about no wonder people don't. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder people don't like Dan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and because then, but then when like Kirby, like Harper's watching Abby and Dan, and then um, 
like, come on, hurry up. Like the press conference is going to start. Um, implying that Kirby's like coming with them. But then um, she says she needs to go give Ginny a heads up. If they have all this information, they might, they should be telling her. And Harper follows Kirby uh, to Ginny's place. Um, she lets her know when she's, uh, they're talking through the intercom that the key was found at a murder. So Ginny lets her in. Um, Ginny has not had any phone calls, no hangups and says, I would know if I was like being watched. And Kirby says, yeah, I didn't know. And, and, I was assaulted by the same man. Um, the key is from 20 years ago. And then Kirby gives her this advice, like stay with friends. Don't go out on your own, carry a knife with you at all times. Mm -hmm. um, she needs to figure out how she lost her key. And Ginny asks about the what item was left in Kirby. And she tells her about the be happy bar, but it's a bar that doesn't even exist. And as they're going to leave, Ginny says, just because something hasn't happened yet, doesn't mean it won't. Um, and then Kirby's like, don't go anywhere alone. All right. See you. Bye. <laughs> Can I just yeah. head out, head out alone? Um, yeah. yeah so this full quote. So just because something hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it won't. It always takes looking at something a few times right. before it makes sense. If you figure it out, give me a call. Yeah. And then Again, buys the red umbrella that we're going to see buys later. The buys umbrella. the red umbrella. I mean, Ginny mm. is like really like they're really like letting her deliver like the, the thesis yeah. of the show. Like just because yeah. something hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it won't. It always takes looking at something a few times before it makes sense. What does Ginny know? Like this shit, like, like it just, this seems like a knowing type of comment, even though at this point she's been very incredulous of Harper, like, I'm sorry, of uh, Kirby. Once she knows that Kirby was also a victim of assault, like she's, she's definitely hearing her out this time, whereas in their other encounter, she was sort of like, okay, leave me alone. Um, I thought stars, so star like we look it up at stars, but they're like gone, right? Like, the, mm. I, which is guess the opposite that you can see something that, that and i guess it hasn't happened yet right I don't yeah know. i was, was waiting for for yeah Ginny to like relate this to some sort of Science. like astronomical <laughs> phenomenon yeah. that she didn't because yeah. otherwise yeah it does sort of feel like you've just given me this like surprising information and here i am replying with like sage wisdom in this moment which felt a bit weird of like like the kirby has more information about what's going on right now than Ginny does um and so it just felt weird for like Ginny to be giving Kirby advice about this in this. Yeah, moment. they're like, we right. need Ginny to have the cool last line of dialogue, mm -hmm. but like, it yeah, probably should be from Kirby. But whatever, you just say it, and then you'll leave. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I've like joked about this on other podcasts before, but it's like you know, there's sort of this device in like these detective shows where like the detective will like have a conversation with somebody and they'll say something very vague that doesn't right. actually mean anything. And then they'll be like, aha, like that's what I needed to know. <laughs> uh -huh. to now everything falls into place because of that very vague tautological thing that somebody just said to me. Yeah, the grass is always like, God, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh -huh. <laughs> Eureka. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Jeannie buys the red umbrella because it's raining. She has to do the midnight show, but they won't see anything anyway. And the story gets run in the paper. See it's yeah. uh, being printed. Yeah. And eight victims yeah. over 20 years, lone survivor tells her story. Uh, you see photos of all the women like mapped all over Chicago, um, forgotten women of a Chicago killer. Uh, and then Kirby's face is kind of just right in this front page. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so Kirby heads to Laundryland, where uh, the location of the Be Happy Bar, although it's not the Be Happy Bar, the door is locked. So she breaks in in the back door. And renovations are being done. And so she finds this box. It has a box. It has matchsticks in it. 
and they mm -hmm. do say they're for the be happy bar. I think getting a little yeah. ahead of themselves to be happy bar to make matchsticks before you. No, yeah, you I was going to say this. <laughs> first, you move in the box of matches, and then you remove the laundry yeah. machines. Yeah. Like oh. that's definitely the order that oh. renovations happen. Yeah. That's why all my bars have failed. <laughs> <laughs> because you, you wait. And you I wait. You take the laundry machines yeah. up first before you move the new stuff in. Mm -hmm. No rookie mistake, Grace. Hilarious. Come on. Hilarious. Um, but in the background, Harper. He says, you don't look, you don't look right. What's wrong with your hair? There's somebody else in your apartment. He's like, she didn't, you didn't know Ginny. None of you knew each other. Did Ginny find you? Yeah. She's oh, she was smarter than you. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, Kirby realizes, oh, you're the one who gave me the horse. He's like, uh-uh. It's a Pegasus. Uh, it has wings. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, this is we confirmed this in our first podcast. <laughs> right. We had this exact uh -huh. interaction. Of, but I'm he's like, the one. The who, oh, he's the one who called it a filly again. Mm -hmm. Like he, maybe um, a young female Pegasus is also called a filly. I don't know. We'll wait for our, <laughs> our equestrian listeners to answer yeah. that. Um, yeah. So she recognizes him, and she's also like incredulous because. He looks the same. He hasn't yeah. aged in all of this time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was interesting. He seems like very upset with Kirby for yeah. changing, for mm -hmm. her hair looking different, for having moved. Um, I don't you like know. you like this. He yeah. Says. You look different. Nothing like I left you. I killed you. You shouldn't be here. Uh, this, yeah. And just this very like, he's like incredulous that, this could all be happening and that she had it felt like the audacity to like change her hair <laughs> you know he loves uh, control he's like you yeah. can tell it in that in the scene with the the girl in the in the like stealing the totally. beer that like yeah he, he's all about control which actually i was thinking earlier when we we're talking about like the reasons for him being a bad guy i do think again we're like mapping on a, a me too metaphor i do think there could be something about like that that would be a um probably a reason like an explanation that i would feel good about like the why is because society tells men that they can you can do whatever you want you can have control you can you know uh you know whatever and so i feel like that could be a pretty reasonable explanation rather than getting like super super personal with harper um mm -hmm. but yeah this is like totally showing his character right here that he's like you changed your hair you don't look the same like i left you in a way that like you know now you've changed how dare you yeah. And it yeah. is like there is kind of this interesting idea that like at like when someone's life ends like that's they're not other than like technically like the decay of their body like they're not changing anymore. Right. Like they're stuck in that time and that moment. And that, that is when that is like the oldest they will ever get. And right. You know, and so it is kind of interesting that it's like that's when I stopped you and like that's where you're supposed to be kind of frozen in time here and you had the audacity to change and be different than mm -hmm. i left yeah you. yeah like mm -hmm. preserving something in amber the way that yeah. he liked it and like that he's collecting these women that appeal to him in a certain way and um and then sort of freezing them in time mm -hmm. um by taking their lives yeah yeah um so did she stab him does she is it did i catch that uh or yeah like, with the knife, knife that she carries she tells oh, jenny that yes. she carries a knife and then she stabs That's him with great. it yeah uh, but he sort of pushes up against the wall the wall changes and he is very confused by this and then the wall changes again um she pulls down his shirt and he has a tattoo on mm -hmm. his chest which again yeah. is one of these things that like they very clearly show us but we don't see anything else in this episode no i tried to um, pause it and like 
figure out what it was, but I do not have the same enhanced abilities that Brad oh, has, so I yeah. couldn't, couldn't get it. Um, they crash, crash through the wall. There's broken glass. Harper is gone. And when Kirby heads outside, she looks up and we see the Be Happy Bar and we close on a sad, frightened Elizabeth Moss face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The of the episode. So many of those. Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to figure out if this was a mirror or a window that she crashes through. Yeah, it feels like they go through the wall. And so, yeah, I had a hard time with this. Yeah, it clearly well. changes from a solid wall. So he's like banging her against the wall. The wallpaper changes a couple of times. And then she goes through something that wasn't there. So mm -hmm. it might have been a mirror. It might have been glass. But they're clearly still in this. Like she's, she backs away. And it's not only that the place is transformed to the be happy bar it's a crowded it's like a crowded nightclub like it's not just yeah. that like it's, it was like a closed down busy laundromat busy. and now yeah and now <laughs> it's a closed down nightclub um yeah they're busy bees in there and she um and she backs up outside and sees that it's now the be happy bar and that is the end of the episode i'm curious wow. what the signature drink is at the be happy bar oh like maybe honey. something like honey yeah exactly i'd say yeah. Like something with bourbon, maybe that sounds mm. like it would go well mm. with honey. Mm. We, we should make yes. a si signature cocktail. Yeah, yeah. So my predict. Oh, you said what the other? Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. This is that's my prediction is that she has traveled through time now. That is mm -hmm. my that is my prediction that we are. She is not in nineteen ninety two, but we thought the whole world, her whole world, was going to be different last week, and she got a haircut. So maybe I'm totally <laughs> wrong. Yeah. Um, but we'll be back next week with episode five um before we wrap up melissa where can people find you sure yeah follow me on twitter melissa w28 uh listen to ya we'll be back uh soon with our coverage of the half-blood prince over on the patron feed uh for post show recaps so if, uh if you join the patreon patreon.com slash post show recaps at the five dollar level you get access to extra podcasts like ya uh and you can join us in the discord as well and uh, chat with us about shining girls and other shows and all sorts of fun stuff and uh, over on twitch.tv slash DM Philly, I played uh, D&D in space, uh, the Dragonfly show with Grace, uh, as well as Humble Year is our cute woodland animals playing D&D, &D, uh, which we are also uh, recording another episode of soon. So that'll be fun. Yes, I'll also be playing a Star Wars RPG this Sunday, maybe uh, over on uh, Philly's uh, Twitch. Uh, Amanda, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter where I'm Dr. Amanda R. That's D-R Amanda R. I'm just coming off of a wonderful trip to New York City where I got to see a lot of the other PSR podcasters. So you can uh, check out my Twitter timeline and see uh, some pictures of our happy smiling faces. Um, and yeah, and that's the best place to follow me and see what I'm up to. I'm on Twitter at Hi From Grace, Winning Time, The Wilds, movie coverage, and sports over on Rob has a podcast. Talking about Australian rules football this week with Peter Gus, Shannon's uh, Gus's husband. So it was a oh. lot of fun. So check that out. Uh, it was a good time. Uh, he kept laughing at my my pick for my new favorite team, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, until next week, uh, be happy. Be happy.